0: Welcome to Question Mark, the podcast, exploring the greatest story ever told, with open minds and open hearts.
1: Light it up, we won't come down, and the sun can't stop us now. Watching it come true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show, where it's covered in all the colored lights, and the runaways are running the night. Impossible comes true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show.
2: Well, hello, and welcome again to Question Mark, a fortnightly podcast about Mark's gospel, the greatest story ever told. We're very pleased to have you with us today, whether you've visited before or whether it's your first time. My name's David Payne, and I'll be your host for this, the 45th episode in our journey through Mark's gospel. Today, we're delighted to have Rico Tice with us. Uh, Welcome, Rico. Rico's the curate at All Souls Langham Place in London, I believe. He's a well known evangelist who's probably best known as the author of Christianity Explored and a number of other courses. Uh, He has lots of content on YouTube. Rico, I loved your looking at some of your um, YouTube content, the comment about Mark's gospel, that almost every verse in the book speaks of Jesus' identity, mission, or the call to follow him. Uh, That kind of framed everything very nicely in, in terms of what we've been doing the last 44 episodes. And he's also preaching a carol service later today, so we need to get started. Is there anything you'd like to add to that, Rico? Anything we sh- else we should know about you?
1: No, you couldn't have said a better thing than to say Mark's Gospels about identity, mission and call, because I think that gives a key a code for it yeah. that means it's by far the easiest book in the Bible to interpret, because it's the, it's, the, it's the, the, that interpretation enables you to let the Gospel tell the Gospel. You can yeah. really go through it and know what each verse is about. And uh, so thank you, David, for noting that. That is what I want on my tombstone, not as <laughs> gospel as identity mission call.
2: Oh, yeah. You can do that. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I picked that. I was I found that really helpful actually.
3: Steph, do you want to add anything? Uh, No I just it's great to see Rico Um, we have a mutual friend uh, my manager Mark Whitmore um, but I've heard of Rico by his renown as a marketing marketing scholar expert um, but someone who actually preaches the gospel through it as well I love the fact Rico that you're thinking in terms of every verse being about identity mission and call I I couldn't agree with you more it'd be really interesting to see what we make of this passage which we're about to do together
1: lovely shall i tell you the time i discovered identity mission call i was it was the day of 9 11 and i was i was up we were trying to work out how to film mark's gospel and up until then always we i'd been i'd talk on mark when i was training people to teach mark and after 10 minutes the screen save would go up which was i just can't do it you can do it but i can't and then i've got dyslexia and rob who was in charge of the um the filming had dyslexia he was said he said what's the journey on christian export and i said well, weeks one and two i guess identity three four five mission and then i saw it six seven call and and he went that's helpful and i had a eureka experience because i saw it as a pattern and then the next week i was in sterling and i said Look, mark's Gospels just three words identity mission call. do you think you could teach this and an old lady in the front from the mothers' union, which was by now the great great grandmother's union, said, "Well, if it's three words, dear, I think we probably can." And I thought, "Eureka! <laughs> you know, people can do it because it's three words." So that yeah, was, um, I love that it. was a big moment. Yeah. Stefan knows I like to
2: keep things simple. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's get on. Today's passage Mm. is entitled Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as King in the NIV, which we're using, Mm. and things are definitely coming to a head as Jesus enters Jerusalem. Let's listen to Lucy reading the passage and then see what we want to discuss, shall we?
0: Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 10, New International Version. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as King. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve.
2: Thank you as ever, Lucy. That was absolutely brilliant. Well, Rico, I wonder if you'd like to start by just sort of giving us an overview of this passage um, that we just had read to us.
1: Well, I think it's about the king coming in, but what type of king is he? um uh, it's 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 who is this king who comes into jerusalem and um when we teach mark's gospel i don't know if you can see this little picture here but i i always put up this woman who's got two faces and you it's i use it with mark one verse one the beginning of the gospel about jesus christ the son of god and i say look can you see jesus isn't just a man he's god can you see the young woman and the old woman, everyone. This was rather bravely called by an American artist in 1915, my wife and my mother-in-law, which I thought was brave. <laughs> so it's the old woman, and the young woman. Now as Jesus, come, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, what, who do you see? And of course, if there was one word I'd want to um, put over the top of Mark 11, more than almost any other passage, it would be the word blindness. I don't know what you'd say, Stefan. I think this is an amazing passage about people's blindness to the true king
3: that's interesting i like that so um i i love the idea of this idea of you know man or god and this what we've been talking about already about identity because i i totally see that i think for me if i were to sum up what my main headline about this passage was it would be it's about how you think about it in a way because typically when I think about this passage, I, I guess I think about the characters in the in the story, what how they behave and what their motivation is. But as I'm learning about Mark's gospel more and more, Rico, what I'm finding is that I think about it more these, these days in terms of Mark himself or how his audience would have responded and their perspective. And the issue you just raised about is he God? Is he? Is he a king? What? What's his identity? That's very firmly in in those people's minds, I think. And and they would have been, I I imagine, far more biblically literate than many of us are. You know, even the most um, scholarly person in, in the church probably would struggle because their grasp of the Old Testament would have been amazing. Uh, and they would have been picking up echoes here. For me, that's the most interesting feature of this passage. So it'll be interesting how we how we correspond or how we may kind of divert from each other in that Ooh. regard. But I guess we'll come up with the same answer, which is about, as you said earlier, Jesus' identity, uh, his mission and the call on our lives as well. What, what, what this passage actually implies.
1: Well, I, you see, I think the drama of Mark as you go through is that you see the blindness of the people in the passage? Yeah. And the question is, well, what can you see? Yeah. Because they're blind, can yeah. you see? Yeah. And ironically, the only person in, in in Mark's gospel who can see who Jesus is is blind Bartimaeus. Yeah. You know, exactly. You know, so Mark's gospel finishes. I mean, I love the ending of Mark's Gospel which just sums up here, don't forget it's the context is Nero's persecutions. You're deciding whether you're prepared to die because you have proclaimed Jesus is publicly Lord, you're allowed yeah. to have a private faith in the Roman Empire, but you're publicly yeah. saying, no, the Roman Emperor himself will submit and kneel before Jesus as King. And then, of course, Mark's gospel finishes so brilliantly because the women are told, you know, don't be alarmed, verse six, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified identity he's risen he's not here see the place where they laid him so crucified can you see it was for you identity can you see he's the son of god but go tell his disciples and peter he's going ahead of you into galilee there you'll see him just as he told you so now go and tell i love on i love and peter it's so full of grace go and get peter too he's betrayed me but i want him back yeah but then of course the women are blind at the end Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fed from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Why? Because they don't know who he is, yeah. why he came, or what it means to follow him. And because of that, in the midst of Nero's persecutions, they run and hide. Now, if we hold that in mind, it's just the most brilliant cliffhanger ending. I mean, it was it's ridiculous that. Chapter 16, 9 to 20 got written because they, that person who wrote it, didn't understand how wonderful the ending was. <laughs> because you're meant to get to the end and go, Yeah, you'll run and hide too in the middle of these persecutions if you don't get identity mission.
3: I love that. I love that. Uh, but talking about blindness, so mm-hmm. let's go straight to this passage. Where mm-hmm. in this passage do you see the blindness that you've been talking about?
1: Well, I think, I, I mean, lots of places we could do it verse by verse, but what's fascinating. Um here, of course, is that in the old testament um uh uh um references that are made mm. they 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 want a king, but they want a king that will throw out the Romans, yeah they yeah. don't want a king who who has predicted that he will suffer and die, and so he's come to defeat not Rome but death, yeah. And, and so the blindness is, you know, the, 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 you know, this talk from the Old Testament of the Messiah coming, yes, but it's the Messiah that will save you from sin and death on Good Friday and Easter Day, not from the Romans. Yeah. But of course, the reason none of the crowd are going to be there in five days' time on Good Friday is because he's not the Messiah they want.
3: Yeah. Gotcha. And I think that kind of comes across in some of the references in the in the story, doesn't it? Um, The idea, Mm. for instance, of, uh, you know, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. There's there's something Mm. about just looking at it from the crowd's point of view, Mm. that they're kind of misunderstanding. And uh, from my understanding of history, what possibly would have been in their minds here was an earlier revolt by the Maccabees uh, against the uh, occupiers of Jerusalem, which was successful, which defeated the, the opposition, uh, defeated their enemies and they may well have been thinking similarly here and, and at that time what what the people did was was put branches on on the roads um as the the the, the maccabees were coming into the yes. city so there is something of
1: of that um and so, and, and, as, and on, Stephen, yeah. as we as we follow that up thinking of chapter 16 of course yeah jesus's power base that he establishes is his resurrection yeah so you kill him and he rises again. Now, of course, up until that, people cannot get their heads around that could happen. I mean, Putin one day will be dead. Trump one day will be dead. Jesus, you kill him and he rises. Mm. That's his power base. Now, of course, at this point in time, even though he's predicted in Mark 8, verse 30, Mark 9, verse 30, Mark 10, verse 30, that he's going to die and rise again, they're they're blind. They can't see it. So. So they don't understand there's a different king who's going to rise again, even though he's predicted it. And therefore, they're blind to, to his power base. So I, I, what do you yeah. think of the idea, though? Because I to- take that point absolutely. And
3: as I said at the beginning and in, in my little bit, um, there's a way of looking at the story from the point of view of the characters, um, including mm-hmm. Jesus, their behavior and their motivation. So Jesus understanding, obviously, of his mission is different mm-hmm. in in your view to theirs and they've understood him differently and this has come on as you say throughout the story the disciples the women at the end perhaps and so on so that's one idea about how you view this gospel but another one is there's a writer working behind the scenes here as well and for me as I said earlier that's the most interesting aspect because Mark is not just a storyteller he's a Mm -hmm. storyteller with a purpose as all good storytellers are actually and he's got a specific role. In, in his role is to do exactly what, what we've been saying about helping us understand Jesus's identity, not just through the facts mm. of the story, but also through the allusions, through the echoes. Mm. And as you were just implying, there are there all sorts of echoes here. And, and what I like about this bit is the echoes seem to demonstrate a couple of things. First of all, we're thinking about Zechariah. We're thinking about the, the end of Genesis chapter 49. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about Psalm 118. We're thinking about Malachi where the Lord is going to come into his temple. Mm-hmm. Just the bit actually which, which is referred to right at the beginning of Mark's gospel. All of these are go, all of these are alluded to in this passage. And they they suggest then that Jesus is either The king of Israel, which he is, but not perhaps in the way that the people at the time thought he would be. And or he's God himself. He is the Lord. The Lord is coming to to his temple. And that's the tension, I think, in Mark's gospel overall. I don't think in terms of Mark's Christology, he ever says Jesus is God. But there are moments in the story, aren't there? where that implication is made quite strongly. And we cannot escape the possibility that that is the case. So in this case here, in terms of what happens in Israel's history, God has left the temple. God has abandoned the temple back in, back in the day, left them up to their enemies. Mm -hmm. He's never come back, but he, when the prophets say that when he comes back, he's coming from the East, from the Mount of Olives to his Mm -hmm. temple. This is the moment that Mark's underlining, listen, guys, this is the moment God is coming to restore his kingdom.
1: No, no absolutely. I mean, and, and I think Mark tells us that in uh, word four, as they approach Jerusalem, you've got to get what Jerusalem means. Yeah. And you went to Jerusalem as a pilgrim in the Old Testament to meet God and enthrone the king. Yes. And that that's exactly what's happening. And I think we'd call this, Stefan, wouldn't we? An acted parable. Indeed. So Jesus is, is acting out a parable as, you know, Hosea took Goma to be his wife, the prostitute, as Ezekiel, you know, pretended to go into exile. Here's an acted parable as yeah. Jesus comes to Jerusalem. So yeah. do you want to meet God? Do you want to enthrone the king? Well, here here is Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And so... And again, as you say, from the Mount of Olives, that's where um, uh, uh, where, where you will approach from. Shall I so read
2: out? I was it. going to read out a couple of those Old Testament passages just for the, for the listener to yeah. join in your discussion. Um, so in Psalm 100, 118, it says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. And then it goes on to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us with bows in hand, in the festal procession, the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. And in Zechariah 9, verse 9, it says, very interestingly, you see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And one of our listeners, um, uh, one of our best listeners, I would say, <laughs> Um, who who always brings up questions for us very helpfully. Under Roman rule, she says, the Jewish people didn't have the right to ride a horse. Only Romans could do that. It was a sign that they were a conquered people. Jesus couldn't ride a horse like a person of importance would be expected to for this reason. So how weird it is that a sign of his kingship is also a sign of his humble state as a member of a conquered people. He didn't represent any threat to Caesar at all. Instead, he identified with the humble state of his people. And she asks, why it ha- did it have to be a cult, which no one has ever ridden? I don't know whether you've got, got any ideas about that. Well, well
1: I, I'd be interested what Stefan thinks on that. I I don't think that's because of the Romans, the big reason he's on, I mean, he's going to disobey enough Roman rule. <laughs> the, 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 big, the big reason he's on a, on, a, on a cult, a donkey, you know, is, is because I think he is acting out his instruction to his disciple in Mark's chapter 9 and 10. So Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 37, he went to Capernaum when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about in the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they'd argue about who was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be the first must be the last and the servant of all. So the servant of all is, um, is, is the key phrase in mark's gospel for what it means to follow jesus Mm. you he is so um john stock once said john's gospel is how high the word made flesh john one luke's gospel is how wide the outsider comes in matthew's gospel is how deep old testament prophecy fulfilled but mark's gospel is how low Mm. it's the servant so mark in pamphylia deserts acts 15 and yet in 2 timothy 4 paul says bring mark to me he's so useful so he goes from being a deserter to a servant and 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 therefore as he comes into jerusalem on a cult in his humility he is once more modeling the son of man came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many now i think that's why he's on a donkey he's modeling yeah in my kingdom the servant is the one who's first yeah fascinating
3: uh, i love that i think that's right and it does reference doesn't it this idea of humility in that zechariah passage um and i've got to say i agree with you this idea of enacted parable jesus does this um jesus does this before doesn't he He does it Mm. with the feeding of a 5,000. There's a clear inaction of... of, Mazes in the wilderness. Exactly. Um, Mm. And and here he's doing the Zechariah passage, isn't it? It's a drama, as you say. I think that it is fascinating that it's a horse, or I should say a donkey, sorry, that's never been ridden. Mm. One that's never been ridden suggests that it's one that is reserved. It's reserved for a king. And, and and also that the donkey is supposed to represent peace as well. I think in Zechariah actually says, um, yeah, I can't actually remember the actual phrasing but, riding a donkey. Yeah, a bit later on, um, he will proclaim peace to the nations. So he doesn't come on a war horse to answer the question's point. He comes on a donkey, which symbolizes what his kingdom is essentially about. It's not about taking over from the Romans and destroying them to put Israel as top nation. No, it's, it's about um, creating Shalom, this kingdom of peace and justice, which God has meant not just for Israel, but through Israel to all nations. So I think there's a lot of things going on with the donkey.
1: Yes. And as he's on a donkey, of course, what he's saying to the Romans is come and get me. Mm. You know, if you rode a donkey into battle, you're going to mm. get killed. Yeah, so he's he is he is signalling that he's come to die as he comes in on a donkey because donkeys you you don't wear You don't ride donkeys into battle. So again, the, interestingly, although this passage is primarily about identity, the fact he's on a donkey is a little bit of mission creeping yes. in there. <laughs> you know, you'll always see identity, mission and call coming in. Yeah. Are your eyes open to mission as he's on a donkey because he's saying, come and get me, I'm going to die interestingly there's a little bit of call here too in this hmm. passage which is of course um the end of chapter three if anyone asks you why are you doing this say the lord needs it hmm. and we'll send it back again shortly the lord needs it well if it's the lord then we give him everything you see so the lord needs it is is well? am i responding to the lord needs it because so whatever jesus needs for his for for, for the proclamation of the gospel around the world I need to offer it. So again, there's a little bit of call there, you know, as I, as I read it through, there's the donkey on mission. There's the, there's the, the Lord needs it on call. I'm just, I'm just trying to um, sell my little Christian explored framework to you, but it, it, and are your, are your eyes open to it? Can you see that?
3: Yeah, totally. It is good. It's absolutely
2: right. Rico, we talked in the last episode about, um,
1: what do we talk about?
2: Uh, How, the people in at that time would have understand or understood all these things we need to i i want i they have been talking before about jesus had said you need to be like little children mm. and i said shouldn't shouldn't the story be simpler than this why do we need all this explanation we need the explanation because we weren't living in the first century and and we need to catch up really with all that would you agree with that
1: well, I think it's all around the theme of blindness. You're right. As you, as the readers, those that Stefan was mentioning, the early listeners, as they got more and more of the Old Testament, they have gone, "Oh, they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. Madness!" Yeah. And you know, and of course, uh, the, the the big thing they, they they can't see again as we follow this in is that is that their faith isn't in God. Their faith is in their agenda for God. Mm. They want Jesus to throw out the Romans. Yeah. And because they want the Romans thrown out, when he doesn't look as though he's going to do that and he gets crucified, then they desert because they haven't got the right understanding of Jesus. Now, our churches are crammed full of people who want God to be a divine waiter who who fulfills. And, you know, they tip him on a Sunday and then he gives them what they want. And, you know, here Jesus, Jesus comes and gets us what we need. Forgiveness and a new life as he comes to Jerusalem, but he doesn't give us what we want, which is freedom from the Romans. You know, so I think there's a—it's just a fascinating picture there. Um, uh, 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 You know, as you go through every verse, someone's blind to something.
3: Yeah, very good.
1: Can I just pick up a little bit just on uh, just on that 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 I think Jesus in the old that chapter nine, because although chapter nine here are the disciples, and uh, you know who will be the greatest. So they've been status seeking not service seeking and then he picks up a child and says you've got to serve a child and then of course in chapter 10 it's even more apparent he's going to come in and a cult Mm -hmm. modeling what it means to be a servant because you've got james and john teacher we want you to do for us whatever he asks he's just talked about his own death and they say we'd like you to do whatever we want i mean it's incredibly pastorally insensitive what do you want me to do for you they replied let one of us sit at your right the other at your left in your glory i mean what were they planning on sitting on a couple of cushions did they want a little cushion no no they wanted a throne yeah and, and they wanted to boss people about because they probably missed that from the fishing business that they had with their dad and again jesus comes in and he says no i'm coming in as a servant so i think that's the overwhelming emotional impact almost as he comes in is he comes to serve and die when they've just had so much on status in mark chapter 9 and 10
2: yeah cool Amazing. Um, We we may have come back to some other bits. I'm personally sorry. Sorry, I was going on one one there. No, that's absolutely fine. Please do. That's what that's what you're here for. Um, The last verse in verse 11. I'm Just intrigued by Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Could I ever go um,
3: first on that one? We know what. Well,
2: we may know what's going to happen next. Go on, Steph. Go ahead. <laughs> what?
3: Yes. I, I what, mean, it's what was basically it's complete. A complete understatement, isn't it? It's complete letdown. Um, I mean, and we know what's going to happen next. That's right. <laughs> but what we're expecting is something different to what we're getting in the in the last verse. He goes in after all this kind of ramping up, and he looks around and he goes home again. It's completely understated so kind of what's what's going on it's really really interesting i'll be mm. interested to hear what you have to say about that rico um I, I i i've got to say this is like i did have something in my mind but i'm gonna to have to think about it let me let me give me give me a, a, a bit of a moment to pause while rico you have a go first
1: no i've no idea what's <laughs> going on with verse 11. i've never thought about it i mean um, that's fa- yeah. i've just seen it as a link verse and now you've raised it i mean i feel no I, honestly i that is yeah. absolutely fascinating i i'd have thought uh, yeah. you know he's going to come and symbolically do so much the next day um you know as he yeah. drives out you know he comes to his father's house um the fig tree is cursed as a symbol of jerusalem in the next in the next passage but i've never thought about that what's deep in verse 11. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's as though he's going in and assesses it before, you know, he acts with such clarity in in driving out those who are buying and selling. Because, of course, you know, what what's happening there is that they've come to meet God and um, to enthrone the king. And what they've what's happened to them is they've they've been um, they've met people who want their money. And so it's the ultimate religious contract that they're seeing. And the fig tree, of course, is a parable of that—that that, you know, if there's no fruit, God will, God will remove you. And um, the parable of the tenants in chapter yeah. 12 is picking that up again. But, but I I can't if, honestly. Please help me with chapter verse 11. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. We've just been
2: intrigued
3: throughout yeah. Mark,
2: really that Mark doesn't yeah. waste any words, does he? Stay. Yeah, yeah, that's well, that right. Is there is
3: something about here. I think it's about again his identity. Um, he's coming back into the temple. And what is he expecting? What are we expecting? Mm -hmm. If he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, if he is is the uh, manifestation of God himself Mm -hmm. coming back to his temple, he's not received. He's not received in the way that he is expected to be received by the the temple authorities. There's something going Mm -hmm. on there. It's kind of like understatement right at the end of this amazing kind of proclamation that's coming up here in this passage
1: well i mean my underlying thought is if i'm preaching on this passage what what i want to show people and and i i have this question on verse 11 i don't know what the answer is but the sovereignty of god is is i think crucial through this passage yeah let's not forget that a key verse in in the in the in the whole of the bible in terms of the character of god is acts chapter 4 verses uh 27 28 29 where we have the sin of the chief priest the sin of Pilate, the sin of the gentiles the sin of the jews and then we read they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen Mm. so you have to be very very powerful to have your enemies do your bidding while acting against you and that's how the bible calls us to think about god so we know in this passage if i'm teaching this passage i'll say jesus is in total control yeah everything is happening Whoa. he is not the victim as as he wants it to work out because that is who god is he's sovereign yeah. and here the sovereign lord acts out a parable as he comes into jerusalem and goes home yes. but it's all part of they did what your parent will decided before it should happen whatever is happening people don't realize it but they are despite being responsible for their sin acting as god wants them to do that's how powerful god is yeah so i don't know how this verse works but it but it overshadows good friday where pastorally you've got to keep saying to people if god was on in control on good friday he's in control today yes so here's the question do you trust him yeah do you trust him because he's in control he was in control as he went in on a donkey into jerusalem even though he was saying come and get me he was still in control yeah now today in the crisis you're in in your life i've just had a, a dear friend of mine uh ring up with a massively um brutal situation today mm. and i've spent the day reading from it and i've got to go back and say look we, we've got to look at the cross if god was in control on good friday he's in control today although i cannot see how how that works out yeah. but in easter week as you went into jerusalem it wouldn't have looked like god was in control and as he went off home rather quietly unreceived you'd have thought yeah. well that was an anti but god's in control yeah i don't know if that works but i i'd be wanting yeah. to teach the sovereignty of god very strongly here yeah. and then move into romans 8:28 all things work together for my good what is my good that i'm conformed to the likeness of christ so god's controlling everything this situation i've heard of today God is, God, there's been great sin, but it doesn't mean God's not in control. Now, what does it mean to be godly now? How is God transforming me to the likeness of Christ? But don't ask me to explain that pastorally. I'm going to look at the cross. Now, again, sorry, that's a bit of a mouthful, but that's what I'd be huge, huge. to head.
3: Yeah, there's something very paradoxical about this, isn't it?
1: Are your blind eyes open to the fact Jesus is in control? He's claiming his city. He is the king but yeah. he doesn't look like it. So one person on this passage said it's rather like the queen turning up wearing a Madonna t-shirt in jeans. You'd go, well it looks like the queen, but that's not the queen I'm expecting. <laughs> so here's Jesus on a donkey. Yeah. He's not that that's not that's not the king you're expecting, but it is the king. You yeah, know, he's okay, not he's
3: not received. He looks around but he's not received. I think he's that's not the point. Received. He's and he's coming into the temple. I think I'm getting it now. He's coming into the temple where the god should be. God yes. and God has left the temple in, in Jewish history there've been a you know since since the um, since the yes. exile and now he's coming back yeah but there's no there's, response, there's no one there no yeah. reception god has had to go out again that's a huge yeah, kind of that's very good signature isn't it of what what Jesus is what Jesus is kind of what it, what it means to be at that time among the
1: ruling authorities in Jerusalem You don't accept him. You don't accept him. And indeed, all those people who were in the crowd in seven and eight, laying down their cloaks, they weren't receiving him into their hearts. They were saying, we're receiving you to do a job on the Romans. Exactly. So even they're not receiving him either, which is why he goes home and has to collect himself because no one wants to be obedient. I I, I agree. and I I think
3: that Mark's being very deliberate here in (laughs) making us think about this description i don't think matthew and luke have this bit no that's fascinating they, they they jesus comes um, doesn't go out again and comes back in yeah. um so it's, it's really interesting
1: and 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 the job is you see if you're preaching this is to show that the king is in control <laughs> yeah even though it doesn't look like that and yeah. then get people to realize that for their own lives i mean Indeed. you know you keep talking to people who think well the way my life has worked out it it, it god can't be in control and you're saying no he is what does it mean to be godly now but please don't think you're not in the place he wants you you are now what does it mean to reach out to people for jesus yeah but you know it didn't look like he was in control in in chapter 11 verse 11 it just looks like a total anticlimax it does
3: it does but i mean it's interesting this idea of jesus being in control all the way through um Mm -hmm. he knows precisely what he's heading towards doesn't he And, and yet he's enacting this, this part, this parable, exactly. So he's very much in control. And this idea about, you know, is he prescient by knowing that there's, um, there happens to be a donkey or or, or not? Or did he make prior arrangements? It's unclear, Mm. but there is that sense, perhaps, perhaps of his understanding uh, his prescience about the fact there's going to be a donkey available for him at the time that's needed so this sense of jesus knowing exactly what's going to happen and everything being in god's hands it's all even though it looks like it's going to be a disaster
1: it, well and, it, and and the most extraordinary fulfillment of psalm 22 yeah. because we're going to head towards they pierce my hands and my feet a dog yeah. a band of evil men have surrounded me and, and that was 300 years before the Carthaginians in, in introduced crucifixion or invented it. Wow. So this massive sovereign hand on history. Yeah. You know, again, he is organizing his own death as predicted in the Old Testament. When in the Old Testament it was predicted, the crucifixion that was described wasn't even invented then. Yeah, that's so, amazing. so, you know, just like he has to organize his own birth in Bethlehem. You know, in Micah five. So, it, 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 what we have to do is build confidence that He is the sovereign Lord, yeah. and yet He comes as a servant. But we can trust Him for both reasons. One, He's in control. Secondly, He comes to die for us. Can't yeah. you trust Him? Mm-hmm. And, and if you do trust Him, the Lord needs it. Give, give every. What does the Lord need now from yeah. you yeah. for His glory and purposes? Yeah. So yeah. that doctrine leads to action. Yeah brilliant we are rapidly
2: running out of time um is there anything that uh, quickly that either of you would like to sort of add at the end that you've not had time to say or
1: well i want to say the drama here is seeing the blindness of the crowd and everyone around them and then saying can you see Mm. and then can you see who this lord is and won't you follow him but i think i'd like to leave people with this blindness to identity mission call all three and saying mark is such fun working out what the blindness is in each passage and then applying that to your own depravity your own life and finding your eyes open so that you see what it means to, to know who jesus is why he came and what it means to follow him more clearly
3: i think for me uh, totally taking on board this idea of blindness for me mark is doing his old thing uh playing a double game so he's he's portraying the blindness of these people, but he's also giving us quite clear hints about Jesus's identity yes. and mission. Just like the crucifixion, where they say they put a placard over his mm. over the cross, the King of the Jews. Obviously, that's ironic and it's sarcastic. But for Mark and for the the people listening to this story for the first time, yes, Jesus is exactly the King of the Jews. Mm. So yeah. when it talks about blessed is the oncoming regime of our father, David. Yes, that's a misunderstanding on the part of the crowd, but it is true in a completely different sense mm-hmm. that Jesus is coming with a new regime, God's regime, which is from, from the ancestry of David in, in a different way, perhaps. And there are all sorts of other things about this idea of royalty, about identity here, which again, the crowd have misunderstood, but we if we're knowledgeable of the scriptures would realize this is pointing to jesus in a completely different way a far superior way in fact brilliant
2: rika and and Stefan, we could go on Rico, one one last point
1: no and verse 11 which i've never seen before and whenever i look at it in future i'll be thinking of you guys so thank you very much for (laughs) highlighting an area of total blankness i was like oh yeah i've never looked at that verse before so thank you so much brilliant Well, Rico and
2: Stefan, uh, thank you so much for taking time to share your thoughts with us. Um, I've really enjoyed it. You've given us lots to think about. And uh, we've really enjoyed having you with us too, lovely listener. Please do join us again or listen to previous episodes. Uh, That's all we have time for today. So it's goodbye from Rico Tice. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye from Stefan Smart. Goodbye. And from me until next time, goodbye.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of Question Mark and don't want to miss any future episodes, be sure to click on the subscribe button. This also means other people can find the podcast and join the conversation too. We'd also love if you could leave a review so we know what was good and what we can improve for future episodes. If you want to find out more about I Am Mark, Stefan Smart's solo word-for-word dramatisation of Mark's gospel, go to www.sleek.com. Dot bio slash I am Mark, where you can sign up for free for his newsletter and a whole host of other goodies. Join us and our special guests next time, where we'll continue to explore the greatest story ever told together. If you want to get involved with the podcast or have any questions or comments in the meantime, please do get in touch using the I Am Mark social media channels. We'd love to hear from you.
2: We light it up, we won't come down,
1: and the sun can't stop us now. Watching it come true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show, where it's covered in all the colored lights, and the runaways are running the night. Impossible comes true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show.